I'm always seeing things on the news and thinking that can't be right, can it? Listen to the KYW News Radio in depth podcast and make it make sense. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. We're to the point where we're seeing these shootings here in the city of Philadelphia every single day, in some cases, multiple shootings, even last night with a shooting at a Chick-fil-A. So what do you think people should do to protect themselves these days? For some people in the city, the answer is to get a gun themselves. When you have a lot of crime, people have to protect themselves. And I think that's what you're saying. People just have to protect themselves. Gun ownership has increased dramatically over the past few years in Philadelphia. And we're talking across the board. It's not just Republican Second Amendment advocates. So how do we square this human desire to protect yourself and your loved ones with the need to decrease gun violence here and everywhere? We'll talk about that today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. So to talk more about this, we welcome in our good friend Raquel Williams, KYW's Community Impact Reporter, as well as the host of Bridging Philly. She's back to help explain some of this. Raquel, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're, we're trying to figure all this out here. So I grew up in a house with guns. My dad was a police officer for 33 years. So having firearms in the house was just the price of doing business. But now as an adult, I don't own a gun, but a lot of people here in the city of Philadelphia do. So honestly, just how much has gun ownership increased recently here in the city? We're looking at a numbers in Philadelphia as far as people uh, with permits to carry, conceal and carry in the city. Uh, they were holding steady from about 2017 through 2020 into 2021, about 11,000 applications a year. And then in 2021, the applications jumped to over 70,000. Over 70,000 Philadelphians felt the need to conceal and carry in the city in 2021. And the city ended up granting about 52,000. So that was the, the numbers of reissues and new issues were included in there. But in 2021, about 52,000 concealed carry permits were granted in the city. So huge. It's massive. And the obvious question is why? I reached out to a couple of different organizations. One is called uh, Train to Fight. So Byron Franklin from Train to Fight uh, was basically telling me, along with the, the other people that I spoke with as far uh, about gun ownership and carrying in Philadelphia, is protection. At the end of the day, when the threat is right there, a phone call takes too long. I wanted to be able to protect myself and not leave my protection in somebody else's hands. So that's what made me want to buy a firearm. Danielle Dupree um, owns and operates Defensive Unicorns, and uh, she trains other women on how to use guns properly. Um, at the time, I was a single mother, so being able to protect myself and protect my kids was everything to me. Michael Hall grew up uh, in Detroit, and he was exposed to guns very early uh, in his childhood and also continues to carry and protect his family with firearms. When you have a lot of crime, people have to protect themselves. And I think that's what you're saying. People just have to protect themselves. You know, a lot of conversations were have, happening around the area of uh, coronavirus um, when uh, the police department was saying that, hey, we can only respond to serious violent crimes right now. This is when, at the height when the numbers were down in the department, where a lot of people were sick, where there was a lot going on during that time. And it seemed to coincide with that 
as well, where people are like, well, listen, we got to do what we have to do because a lot of times when you called 911, I heard these stories too, they weren't responding. Um, so you just, that and the amount of crime that was happening and the rise of crime that was happening, people more and more felt the need to start carrying. And what also is interesting in is when I was speaking with these different gun groups, they hang out in a lot of gun shops and they know a lot of different gun shop owners. And they were talking about the fact that during the height of the coronavirus, when um, a public comment was made saying that it was the China flu or the Chinese, you know, Asians were responsible. Oh my goodness. Then of course that led to some attacks. They were lined up at the gun shops. And one of the gentlemen told me they cleaned out all of the racks. They didn't care what it was. They were getting, they were buying them. Yeah. And that points to something interesting and, you know, not that surprising when you think about it, but you're talking about Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders feeling threatened. And so they went out and bought guns. A lot of this happens with black people and other people of color, too, who are feeling especially threatened right now. I have to imagine anyway. I don't know if there are statistics to prove this, but I have to imagine that that's part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anecdotally, you can say that because, you know, the conversations that I was having, they were talking about white supremacy and the rise in that and the emboldened attitudes that are starting to emerge. Think about the white nationalists who are were coming out and just being brazen. Uh, think about a lot of uh, racial stuff, not even talking about just criminals and crime. It's been a conversation, a long conversation in the black community about arming ourselves, protecting ourselves, that the Second Amendment does apply to us, too. But there's a different element when you think about being being black and owning a gun in this country. And different people have different reasons for doing it. Tiffany Washington's a social worker in North Philly. Here's what she said about buying a gun. I got a firearm um, really because I could. I'm going to be honest, just because I could. And I lived in a very rough city. Well, that's as straightforward as you're going to get. <laughs> why? Yeah. Because I can. That's why. And that, that brings up it brings us to another question. Just how easy is it to get a gun? And what do you have to do to actually purchase a firearm? In Philadelphia, you put your money on the counter and you take your gun and you go home. Wow. So it's really that simple, huh? I mean, I know you need a permit to conceal and carry, but to own, to purchase a gun, you just walk in and pay for it. In New Jersey, stop. Stop right there. You want to what? Okay, here's some forms. Because my husband recently went through this. We went through this. He's one of the, you know, in the whole group of people during that time. He's like, you know what? Let's arm up. <laughs> and in New Jersey, it wasn't that, di- it wasn't that uh, easy. You have to go through a process. In order to even look at a gun and, and go buy a gun, you need a permit. And that's a process. It takes a while. You need a couple of different points of reference. Uh, you need references to send in. And then you have to wait. And then if you are granted the permit, of course, it arrives and you think you're going to go ahead and go and buy your gun. Okay, you go into the shop and you choose your gun and you think you're going to take it home. No, you can't take your gun home today. There's a cooling off waiting period. We're going to check you again and then we'll let you know when your gun's ready. So it's not like one of those things where if someone had, you know, we hear the stories where someone went, bought a gun that day and went and did something in New Jersey. There, there's a definite cooling off period. You're not going to take that gun that day when you go to buy it. Raquel, I'm kind of interested to hear more. What was that conversation like within your family? I mean, this notion of 
deciding to arm up given circumstances going on in the world. I mean, we've come to know you personally. I can speak to you as a very peaceful, loving human being. So I got to imagine that's that's not an easy conversation to have or decision to make. Yeah, it's not. And my husband is peaceful and loving too, but he's a man that's like, listen, we're going to protect ourselves at all costs, you know, and, you know, men of, of households, they all have, you know, they're ultimately, they really feel like it's on their shoulders. Looking at the state of the world and things that were happening during that time, he was one of the people that said, let's do this. Um, I was kind of like, oh, are you sure we have kids? What You have to make sure we know where to store it. We have to make sure we have to make sure, you know, all of that. So we have all of that down. Everything's in safes and things of that nature. But then it came down to, well, Raquel, you have to know how to use this as well, because if something happens to me or if something goes on and I'm not here, you have to know how to use it. So it's not just like, you know, you go buy a car, you just don't get in it and drive. It looks easy, but it's not. And same thing with the gun. And I had to go through a lot because just being in a gun range, just I, I had to step out a lot because it was too much. It was very loud. The, the vibrations through my body it was so much I couldn't take it. After a while, it took some hours for me to get used to it. And then it took me a little bit to get used to the recoil of the different weapons. And now I have my weapon of choice. And, and you know, so it, it, it's a process. I used to look at a gun and go, oh, my God, put it away, put it away, put it away. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And now it's like, let me see that thing. <laughs> and once you learn it and you understand the safety um, issues that you have to adhere to, always act as though it is loaded, even if it's not. Always pointed down range if you're at the range. Always pointed away from any human being, even if it is completely empty. There are a lot of you know, safety uh, measures that you have to take uh, when you're gonna handle that. And own one, of course, have a lock, store it away, all of that good stuff. So we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about what we can do to encourage responsible gun ownership. We'll have more of that with Raquel Williams coming up after this. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And we're talking with Raquel Williams, the host of Bridging Philly, about the increase in legal gun ownership in response to the violence that's been plaguing not just the city of Philadelphia, but the entire country. There's so much that goes into this. But unfortunately, it's like we look at the recent mass shootings and we've kind of created a cycle of violence where it increases. So more people buy guns, which leads to more violence. We're sitting here talking about these guns, but what is being done to kind of break this cycle where people don't just immediately reach for the reach for their peace if they've got some sort of issue? That, I think that's the problem. Uh, I believe uh, Mayor Kenny called it, you know, that's one of the consequences of living in a gun state. Everybody has them or can, has the potential of having them. Uh, you have the uh, responsible people that have them for protection, mostly in the home. Then you have those who feel like they have to have it on them. And then you have those who have them illegally. And by and large, that's where the crimes are happening uh, for the most part. And the people who you know, want to protect themselves from that kind of crime are getting them legally so that they can protect themselves. And if we look at what happened on South Street, it's kind of a combination of those things, right? Police say that one of the shooters was firing an illegal ghost gun, but two of the people who fired guns were licensed to carry. Yeah, that's the case. And I think in, in one case, uh, one person who had the permit to carry. Uh, that was a, a mistake, allegedly, because his uh, 
His prior, when he was a juvenile, didn't show up due to a clerical error, from what I understand, but he was still able to get that permit. Um, and uh, maybe the other person just had it for protection and when being fired upon had to return. It, yeah, it's it gets pretty sketchy. And it's a, it's a, an overall, it's a sad state of affairs. It just, it's just a sad situation all, all overall. To feel like you have to, in a city, carry a gun on you because you know violence is so pervasive. And to both of your points, something adding even more complications to this is that one of the shooters in the South Street shooting wasn't charged because the district attorney and his office deemed that that person was acting in self-defense. So I, I think that that in and of itself kind of encapsulates some of the tricky dynamics at play here. Yeah, you're right about the trickiness of it. And then I understand that there was another person there that just said, oh, people are firing, let's fire too. I, that I didn't understand, just indiscriminately firing into a crowd. I will never understand that. So it sounds like, you know, we could say plenty about what you should have to go through to get a gun and how easy it is to get it in Philadelphia. But once you get one, it's kind of comes down to training, like you said, Raquel, right? That if you want to legally own a gun, you need to know how to use it and not have that hot trigger finger and not fire indiscriminately into a crowd. So you talk to a couple of people who have organizations you mentioned at the top who do trainings. Can you just repeat those again and let us know if people are listening and thinking about owning a gun or if they already own one, where can they go to get proper training? Yeah, absolutely. Because training isn't required, but you need to. You should be trained. Uh, train to fight, LLC.com. You can go to that website uh, and also uh, DefensiveUnicorns.com. Um, those are the two organizations that I, I spoke with, and uh, they would be happy to help you or direct you to local ranges and give you some pointers and tips. And I know they have couples uh, training sessions that, they, uh, that they're also promoting as well. So I'm sure they'll be able to help. Another thing big picture looking at this is obviously in the aftermath of Uvalde and other mass shootings, gun legislation, what can be done? It seems like perhaps there's going to be some modest bipartisan work on that front that just needs to finally get pushed through the Senate, but a proposal was sent through. Raquel, did you get a sense in speaking with any of these people that you spoke to for this story, whether their true need for protection, their concerns about their safety, and how that factors into the Second Amendment could impact the way they vote? Well, what's interesting is that, you know, no one is trying to take their rights away. I think people have to realize that. And they are all in support of control, a certain amount of gun control, you know, raising the age limit, having, you know, uh, background checks, you know, that, that that's a whole tricky area where it seems like if you want some kind of control, that means you're anti-gun. And that's really not the case with, with some of the candidates. Um, and so it would definitely affect the way they vote. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, tight restrictions, of course, they wouldn't be for that, but they're all for some kind of control. Raquel Williams, thank you so much for talking with us today. Very interesting conversation we've had here regards to guns, because this is something that clearly is front of mind for everybody in the city right now. Yeah. Always an interesting time on the John Cash. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Raquel. You can follow Raquel, of course, at Raquel on air on Twitter, and you can hear her on the Bridging Philly podcast. That's it for this Tuesday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. We'll help you get over the hump on Wednesday.